Calling all ninjas. Calling all ninjas. It's time for Lime Ninja Radio. Today on Lime Ninja Radio. It was pretty remarkable how in that first session, I would say the pain went down by almost 90, 90 to 95%. Like it was just gone. This podcast is sponsored by the Lime Ninja Symptom Tracker. I'm so excited to tell you about our new Lyme Ninja Symptom Tracker. One of the things I hear over and over again, whether it's talking to a patient in my office or consulting over the phone with a client, is just how difficult it is to keep track of progress on their Lyme journey. Recording symptoms daily or even weekly gives them too many data points. There are so many ups and downs, twists and turns that at some point they get lost and confused. The Lyme Ninja Symptom Tracker takes all the guesswork out of tracking symptoms with a simple monthly questionnaire. Once a month is the perfect interval to see if that new supplement or protocol is working. Right now, when you take the Symptom Tracker questionnaire, we give you a simple composite score for the month. But we have big plans and the data you enter will not be lost as we roll out new features. Best of all, it's free. Just head on over to LimeNinjaRadio.com slash tracker and sign up. That's LimeNinjaRadio.com slash tracker. You'll be glad you did. Join us every Thursday on iTunes for the latest episode of Lime Ninja Radio. Hello, I'm your host and acupuncturist, McKay Rippey, and this is episode number 178 with body talk expert, Lynn DeMastro Thompson. Also welcome our show producer and the brains behind Lime Ninja Radio, Aurora. Hello, and in this episode, you will learn what body talk is and what it can help with, how getting in touch with your body helps you heal, And Lynn will walk you through an exercise on how to actually have a conversation with your body. Thanks, Aurora. As you all know, Lyme disease is an international problem. Each week we have listeners join us from all over the world. And this past week we have listeners from India and Israel and from Australia and the UK. Also, a big thank you to our longtime Lime Ninjas. Aurora and I really appreciate you tuning in. And we'd also like to welcome all you new listeners out there. Welcome to Lime Ninja Radio. We are glad you tuned in. This week, our top 10 tune-in cities are... Starting at number 10 is Longmeadow, Massachusetts. Number 9, Arlington, Virginia. Number 8, Elizabethtown, North Carolina. Number seven, really? You had to give this number seven to me? Dajin? Dajin. Dajin, Korea. Number six, (laughs) Montreal. Maybe I should read the script before sitting down and recording. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, (laughs) Wait a minute, where are we? Number Number six, six, Montreal, Canada. Number five, New Bern, North Carolina. Number four, Chicago, Illinois. Number three, Toronto, Canada. Number two, Oceanside, California. And number one, Seattle, Washington. If you like what we're doing, make sure you head on over to iTunes and subscribe and leave us a review. And if you really like what we're doing, consider becoming a Lime Ninja patron. Just go over to patreon.com and search for Lime Ninja Radio. We're still hosting our weekly giveaway with Dr. William Rawls' new book, Unlocking Lime. He's been really generous. We've got a bunch of copies still, so I don't know how long this is going to go on until they get tired of us. (laughs) But we've been giving away a new copy every week, and just head on over to LimeNinjaRadio.com front slash win and enter. It's super easy. And this past week's winner was Lisa. So, Lisa, you'll be getting an email from us if you haven't already gotten it, and just send us your address, and we will ship it out to you. Why don't you tell us a little bit about Dr. Rawls' book and why you would want to enter the contest to win a free copy. Lyme disease is one of the most puzzling illnesses on the planet. Anyone who has suffered from its debilitating symptoms knows the frustrations of trying to find a cure. Many sufferers drag themselves from one doctor or alternative practitioner to the next, getting lost in a maze of lab tests, prescription drugs, and treatments. Thousands of dollars in months or years later, they realize they are no better off than when they started. Unlocking Lyme puts an end to this desperate quest. 
written by Bill Rawls, a physician who overcame Lyme disease himself. This book is a comprehensive, practical resource full of solutions that work. For more information about Dr. Rawls, you can visit his website, RawlsMD.com. And to enter for our contest, again, LimeNinjaRadio.com front slash win. LimeNinjaRadio.com front slash win. It's that easy. All right, Aurora, thanks so much. And tell us a little bit more about this week's guest, Linda Mastro-Thompson. Lynn discovered she was chronically ill in 2004 when she had to cancel a surgery because something was wrong with her blood work. In the years that followed, she pursued alternative methods to regain her health and had mixed success. She found Body Talk through a friend, and when she found it drastically reduced the persistent pain she had been experiencing, she wanted to learn more about it. Lynn now works as a certified body talk practitioner at her Heartfire Healing Practice in Portland, where she helps people with anxiety, stress, illness, and pain. Thanks, Aurora. And here's our interview with body talk expert, Lynn DeMastro-Thompson. My first question for you is, how'd you get interested in health? Because you, by your writings, it didn't sound like you were headed in that direction to begin with. Yes. So I was actually headed down a completely different path. I was pursuing a PhD in history and thought I wanted to become an academic. And um, my body was sort of giving me signs of what I kind of knew on an intellectual level that this wasn't the right path for me, but I kept ignoring the signs and ignoring the signs for about three years. And so three years into the process, I got really sick Um, and it kind of came out of what felt like nowhere, but it was discovered that I had a blood disorder when I had some elective surgery scheduled and the pre-op blood work came back with some very kind of abnormal results. And so that threw me down kind of this wormhole or rabbit hole of what's going on, what's wrong with my health and I went through a whole process of you know getting a diagnosis and dealing with western medicine and then kind of coming out the other side of that I realized that I didn't just resonate with the model of taking a pill and that's it like this is as good as it gets basically with western medicine and so I started to explore a whole bunch of other options Um, And I started kind of exploring biofeedback, which was something I had encountered actually as a teenager when I got really bad headaches and I got really um, great results with just helping with some of my anxiety and all of those sorts of symptoms. And then I started delving into kind of the therapeutic aspect of yoga. So not um, yoga to get really strong and work out, but more to kind of be quiet and heal and, and be very gentle with the body. And all of that just sort of inspired me. Uh, I remember sitting one day in a biofeedback session and just having this moment of, wow, when I feel better, actually, I would love to learn how to do this and help other people. So it was really through my own healing journey um, and finding the things that helped me that I kind of took a different path and realized academia was not for me. Um, The path of alternative medicine was much more appealing. And then when did you discover Body Talk? So I discovered Body Talk um, probably about five years ago when I actually first just met someone. I was at a networking event representing my business where I was doing more of the yoga and biofeedback piece. And I met this woman who said, oh, yeah, I'm a body talk practitioner and I was like huh I've never heard of that and she gave me like a little description of it went hmm that's kind of cool but I didn't call her for an appointment like I was kind of attracted to it and then I kind of forgot about it for a while until about a year after I had met her when I developed this pain in my left knee that didn't come from like an injury or anything that I could consciously figure out you know that I hurt myself And I'd been trying for a couple months with all of the tools in my tool belt of 
alternative healing to resolve this pain that was very persistent in my knee. And I finally was like, kind of that, that light bulb went on and I went, that's this woman who did something called body talk. I don't know. Maybe it could help me. Like I was, I was willing to try pretty much anything at that point after three months of pretty intense pain in my left knee. And I was totally just fascinated by that very first session where we um, dove into the story that my knee was telling, which was, I didn't make a connection between us, but in the session, um, she said, you know, have you experienced any trauma recently? And I was like, well, yeah, right before this happened, my parents had come and stayed with me in Oregon and my dad was basically going through a mental health crisis. And I just, after, after they left, I dove back into my work and I didn't really pay any attention to the fact that I had just gone through a trauma. And so my body was trying to get my attention that I needed some kind of processing and healing around that through the pain in my left knee. So and this, that was the story. Yes. And then did, did your knee begin to feel better? It did. It was pretty remarkable how in that first session, I would say the pain went down by almost 90, 90 to 95%. Like it was just gone. And then I was totally fascinated and it, and it didn't really come back. Like I kept going for sessions because I was fascinated. And also I wanted to just make sure it was all resolved, but everything else I had tried, I would get a little bit of relief. And then I would kind of just re- regress back to that same point of pain. And this was like, it stuck. And I was like, what, what did she do? How did she know all of these things? I was fascinated. So you bring up, a pretty radical idea in that a symptom can be an alarm from our body, mind, and spirit calling out to be attended to. Mm-hmm. And very much so. I mean, that's, that's sort of the belief that I've come to resonate with. And that's really the work that I do is very much based in that. Um, you know, I think in, in Western medicine, it's very much focused on, well, you have this symptom, let's just make the symptom go away. And for me, it's really understanding that, you know, our body doesn't have words to say that it needs something. It just has things like pain and other symptoms. And so if we actually understand what the body is trying to get our attention to, and we address it, then the symptom can actually start to go away because we've, we've heard what it's trying to tell us. You know, there are those TV shows out there, they're dog whispers and cat whispers, and they just understand deeply the dog's communication, right? Nonverbal communication and mm-hmm. can interpret that. And it, on one level, it makes total sense that the body, our bodies are doing the same thing. It just, we're so verbal, however. Mm-hmm. And we have so many, I mean, also, also, I think our culture has become, I call it doctor filled. We've been doctor filled, you know, that we want to, we want to get all psychological about everything, but sometimes it's just very simple coming from the body. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's even as simple as, I mean, my work is very much a facilitated process, but Sometimes when I'm out at an event speaking, I guide people through kind of doing a body scan process and then having them pick an area to kind of tune into and asking it what it's trying to communicate. And it's amazing to me when they just listen to that. Like people sometimes say that pain that I was feeling all day long, it's gone now. I just, I was quiet and I actually received the information that I needed to receive from my body. Okay, this is totally impromptu, and you can say no. Can, can we do that right now? <laughs> yeah, sure. I'd be happy to. Can I, you, I love doing those. <laughs> can you just, I mean, obviously there won't be the, the feedback. I'll try to give you some feedback on, on my body, but obviously the listeners won't be able to. But can you guide us through just paying attention to our body and and and, and, and that part? Because I think it can be valuable. And let me just set this up for our listeners, too. Normally... A lot of our guests were talking about, you know, biochemistry and even in terms of natural healing, we're still talking about biochemistry with herbs and supplements and so mm-hmm. forth and so on. But there's this whole other realm of health 
that weaves together kind of all of the above. And if you, if you're stuck in that area, you can herb something, you can medicate something ad nauseum, and it just won't quite shift. Uh-huh. You know, it, and I'm not saying every symptom is, you know, is some unspoken message that needs to come through. <clears throat> Sometimes a cigar is just a cigar, as Freud said. Right. However, <laughs> There are times where these unresolved things can have a mental, emotional uh, component to them. And from from my point of view, and you may have a different take on how this stuff gets set up in the body, but from my point of view, often it's simply an emotion that has not been expressed. And definitely, if you if you look at dogs and cats and animals, and you know, even we have some chickens on the farm here, and some and some cows is when they have an emotion, when they have a reaction to something, it's immediately expressed. There's no delay in there. However, because we're really social beings, right? We've got this layer of brain that can postpone our emoting of something. And then sometimes it forgets. We forget to express it fully or it doesn't get expressed fully. And whether it's grief or anger, uh, sadness, or even sometimes uh, what we quote, 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 unquote, positive emotions, an emotion is not designed to hang out in the background for too long. And once it does, it causes mischief. And, you know, I've, I've had people come into my acupuncture practice uh, with symptoms and, you know, we go around to discussion and see how their emotions are flowing. And I've had people say things like, oh, I don't do anger. Like, what do you mean you don't uh, do anger? We all get angry, <laughs> right? Now, I'm right. not talking about, uh, you know, nurturing anger and feeding it and becoming imbalanced in in our expression of anger but we all get angry stuff pisses us off (laughs) and if we don't yeah if we don't (laughs) express it then it it rattles around in there and starts doing damage um and you can understand it simply you don't even have to understand in terms of energy you can simply understand in terms of stress it's just a stressor in there and Mm -hmm. animals who are caged are under a lot more stress and they get sicker so you have to feed them antibiotics because when they something scares them, they can't move. You know, when one of my cows mm-hmm. gets scared, it runs around and kicks its heels up. It's kind of funny to look at. But, you know, and then they're done. It's like they burnt off the adrenaline and then they can go back to chewing their cud. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's a long introduction. Yeah. I didn't mean to hijack the interview. <laughs> oh, no, no. I think that, you know, I, that very much resonates with kind of how I view things. Our bodies kind of store things for us until we can deal with them. So, so it all makes sense. <laughs> so perfect. So go ahead and take us through a body scan, what you would do in one of these talks of yours. Okay, sure. So I, I'll just have you all start by just taking a couple nice deep breaths. I'm just kind of slowing down and being present with your breath. And then as you start to tune into that breathing, we're just going to start kind of at the top of our heads and work our way down. So just notice kind of how the top of your head, how your scalp feels at an area that we tend to tune into a lot. Just notice if there's anything there, any pain, any tension. And then just allowing your attention to go into your forehead. That's an area that sometimes we can have some tension or or if we have a headache or anything like that. So just notice what you notice. And then just noticing your jaw as well. It's another area that we can have tension or pain at times. Noticing your face. All of those little intricate muscles that we have throughout our face can hold tension and, and cause discomfort. And then just moving your way down into your neck. Noticing both the front and the back of the neck. What do you notice? And then working your way down into your shoulders, top of the shoulders. That's another area that a lot of people get really tight, maybe have some pain. And then we'll just kind of tune into your right arm. So just noticing in the upper portion of your arm, if there's anything you're aware of. And it can even be something that feels good, too. I always like to highlight that sometimes we don't even pay attention to the good feeling 
sensations in the body. Just moving your way down into the elbow, forearm, hand. We're going to switch over and just kind of work your way down through the left arm, your upper arm, your elbow, forearm, wrist, fingers. And then coming back into your torso and just noticing what do you feel in kind of your mid-back area, in your shoulder blades, and your lower back. And then wrapping around to the kind of the front of the body, just tuning into your chest. Do your lungs feel like they can fully expand or is there some tension there? Tuning into your belly, your abdomen. And then we're going to just kind of feel into the hips a little bit, pelvis. We sit a lot. Sometimes it can be stiff through that area or tight. And then we're going to just go down into the legs. So we'll do both legs at the same time now. So just kind of noticing upper right leg and upper left leg. Anything you notice, maybe discomfort or an awareness. Feeling into your knees. Noticing if there's anything that wants your attention there. And then coming down into the lower portion of the leg, have and then feeling into your ankles, your feet. So now that we've kind of worked our way down, you're going to just pick one area that felt like maybe it was wanting your attention the most. And you're just going to focus on that one area that was kind of calling out for your attention. And begin just by asking it what its message is for you. To say low back or whatever it is, what is your message for me? And just be quiet and see if anything comes to you. You may have to ask it a time or two if you're not used to asking your body. Sometimes it can feel like um, it doesn't always come right to us. So just be patient for a moment. And then the other question you can ask that area is. What does it need from you? Is there anything that you're doing that it would prefer that maybe you don't do or that you're not doing, could do? And again, just be patient for a moment. Sometimes it doesn't instantly pop in. Sometimes it does. And the more you do it, the more probably this will become a faster process. So if the first time you do this, you don't, kind of get that instant message. You may have to practice that process a little bit. And then just thank that area for its message. I always like to add that in because sometimes, you know, we get frustrated when we're hurting or having a pain and it's like you're annoyed by the symptoms. So just appreciating whatever that area shared with you. And then just doing your best to implement whatever it's asking for if you can. That's kind of the final part of the process of moving forward. If it asks for more movement in your body, maybe try and walk a little bit or whatever. Your body said it needed more water, try and drink more water, whatever it's asking for, try and try and follow through. And that's basically the process. That was so cool. I have to tell you my experience. Sure. And I'll, I'll set it up last spring. So, geez, almost a year ago. Now. Wow. Time flies. Um, <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> my right arm went limp. Mm. And it was a flare, a lime flare in some way. Mm -hmm. And it may have been the lime itself. It may have been a viral attack on the nerve. Don't, again, can't sort it out. And the doctors weren't much help they just said yeah you've got some nerve damage mm -hmm. so you know since then it was immobile for about three months um and then about at the at the end of three months i could pick up my coffee cup again that was a big win 
<laughs> I mean, it was really just totally had uh, had gone a uh, uh, flaccid. I could still move my uh. fingers, but I could not lift my arm, you know, even a couple inches uh. in the beginning. And then slowly, slowly it started coming back. So I was asking, mm-hmm. you know, going through the, the scan there, and there's – my arm and shoulder are a lot weaker. I'm starting to use them more and more, and there's some just kind of aches and pains from using things. It's almost like every day. I get a workout on my arm. That's that's how we get it. Just normal day to day activities are are still okay. strenuous. But you know, so I'm so I'm, you get to the part where you go back and ask. It's like okay, arm, shoulder. What are what are you what are you telling me? And I was kind of ex- I have to admit I was expecting like a sentence, <laughs> and and I only got a word. And that's kind of funny because that's when I take notes and stuff like that. That's how I think anyway. So it's like my brain was was doing the thinking there. And the word that came back was struggle. Hmm. I was like, well, then that really kind of fit what was going on at the time. And kind of in general, um, mm-hmm. in general, ar- around my life at the time, just lots of struggles, nothing monumental. I don't have it bad as nearly other, uh, some other people do, but, you know, just working hard to try and accomplish what I want to accomplish and, and the, the working hard part. So then, then you mm-hmm. ask the second part where, what do you need? And this one was instant. The, the struggle took a little while to be quiet and hear it because I want, I was listening. He says, oh, that can't be. It's got to be something else. Right? <laughs> you know, because I was waiting for this sentence to come at me. So the sentence did. So right. the struggle did. So then what does it need? And this was instant. At this point, I was tuned in enough to, it says play. It's like, mm. son of a gun. And you know what? Mm. I don't play a lot. And that's kind of interesting. So, mm-hmm. um, so maybe they're trying to find ways to incorporate that more. Yeah, exactly. So that's and it's amazing too. You can you can play with like daily activities. You know, you can play with the things you have to do. But how can I do this in a more, in a more playful, playful way? way? Oh my goodness! <laughs> I tend to get heavy <laughs> insignificance because again, this is all a struggle. Right. I remember I was being, uh, somebody was teaching me how to do some rappelling off a, a very short cliff, but straight down. And, um, you know, I was, I was all serious and, you know, starting to rappel and back off the edge of it. And the instructor leaned over and said, he said, you know, you can have fun doing this. And I was like, oh my <laughs> goodness. That's. What am I here for if not, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So thank you. That was very interesting and very useful. Wonderful, yeah, and it's something that I recommend, you know, making sort of a, a regular habit of doing where you, you're not just doing it kind of once and never doing it again because you're going to get different information each day and you're also sort of building a different relationship with your body when you do it regularly. You're giving it like a space where it can kind of give you some information that maybe you're too busy to listen to for the rest of the day. Yeah, exactly. And so when you're doing this with patients, of yours, clients of yours, what kind of feedback do they get? Like, what do their bodies tell them? Do you have any good stories you could tell? Um. Well, when I'm actually working with clients, it's less about kind of that particular process, and the work that I do is actually more of a facilitated process. So okay. I'm actually tuning in to them. But this is kind of like a tool that I like to give people that they can start to do on their own because I also am really passionate about things people can do for themselves i think the more we can do for ourselves the better you know not always relying on somebody else to be our expert (laughs) yeah exactly so when you're doing the scans with people for people what what are the type of things that that you get um so you know i'm i'm just tuning into whatever their body wants to communicate and that could be you know sometimes i get like that there's an emotion trapped in a particular area, whether that be an organ or a body part. And so we work on clearing that. Um, Sometimes there's actually a a component of body talk that addresses the immune piece. So it can be like a particular virus or bacteria or something comes up uh, and we're actually helping the immune system to realize that there's something it needs to target and address. So, you know, rather than, like taking an antibiotic for uh, an infection, we can try and mobilize the immune system to do that job that it's supposed to do on its own, but stress 
has kind of compromised that. Um, can you talk more? Can you talk more about that particular piece? Because yeah. I think that'd be of great interest. Yeah, yeah, um, and I have worked with a couple people with Lyme, and that's definitely one thing that I remember coming up and working with them. Um, so basically, the idea is kind of sometimes our immune system is just not paying attention to something. It's kind of like whether it be hiding somewhere in the body and it's just not aware of it or the immune system is too busy doing something else and it's not really paying attention to the real problem. So what I view the process with that technique is it's kind of like a highlighter and we're highlighting to the body, hey, especially, you know, to the immune system, hey, there's this particular thing you know, bad bacteria, virus, whatever that's not supposed to be there that it needs to pay attention to. And so it's kind of like taking a bright pink highlighter and saying, over here, <laughs> pay attention to this particular thing. And uh, it's really fascinating what what can shift. Like, I, it's not related to Lyme, but I remember uh, in my early practice of just learning to do this work, I had a friend who had gone on a trip to the Dominican Republic and she was volunteering there <clears throat> and she had had to take an anti-malarial because of that's something you can be exposed to and she came back from her trip and she, she reached out to me and she was kind of we were talking but I feel like I forgot to take it like one day when I was there and she was having some symptoms and who knows if it was more the anxiety that she had forgotten you know and that was kind of creating what felt like uh, the malaria or if she was actually starting to develop it but I said well I'm just learning how to do this let me just can I try uh, these tools on you and she said sure and I did a session for her and that was one of the things that came up with the malaria piece and we highlighted it to her immune system and she said that night she went to bed and she got kind of a small fever which was just her body activating to try and and mobilize the immune system so usually a small fever is actually a good thing. And then she said the next morning she woke up and she just felt completely fine. It was like her immune system had realized there was something to pay attention to. And it did pay attention to that. That's an amazing yeah. story. Because normally we think of that sort of thing, you know, needing some sort of scan. You know, you need some high-tech scan to be able to look into the body or high-tech blood tests or RNA and mm -hmm. DNA tests. And I mean, kind of what you're bringing us back to is that the body does have its own system of monitoring it that may be, well, I'll just go ahead and say it. It's probably more sophisticated than any of the machinery that we had, but we've lost touch and don't spend the time to tune back in because we do have all these fancy right. gadgets. We, we rely on the gadgets instead of our own. I'm just going to call it intuition. Um, Right. I know there's more to it than just intuition. It's you know, the intuition is just our body whispering at us and, and us listen. Mm -hmm. Very much. But it's definitely our bodies have that ability to heal. I always like to say, you know, when you cut your finger, you don't think about all of the things that your body needs to do to make sure that that heals, but it does. It's just when we have stress and other factors that it kind of gets somewhat compromised in its ability to do what it's supposed to do and keep us healthy and healing. So kind of part of the nature of the work that I do is really helping balance out the stress so the body can get back that natural ability to heal. And here's another area I'm, I'm interested in, in your take. And I, I realize, and you and I are in the same boat, uh, we don't prescribe medicine. We really can't influence right. what a patient's doing however have you had patients come in and kind of got the message that well maybe this treatment regimen that you're on might not be the best and you may want to go back and speak to your doctor and have a, a look at uh, changing things up does that ever come up with what you do um sometimes it comes up like a particular medication is, their body is reacting to like it's a toxin I think that's the most common thing I've seen, um, especially with something like an antibiotic or something like a really strong drug. Uh, and I've even seen that myself in sessions I've received. Like my body sometimes will communicate to me, you know, hey, 
I'm reacting to this like it's a toxin and then I'll go back and kind of reevaluate, you know, is this really the best medication, you know, and sometimes I'll say to the doctor, I don't feel like I should be taking this. Like, I feel like I'm not feeling well taking this. What else can we do? So that tends to be where I've seen it come up. Um, but yeah, it's sort of a, a tricky thing because I'm not a doctor and I, I don't want to, you know, step into that realm of practicing medicine and, and pretending that I can give medical advice in that sense of like, don't take that medication. But typically if something like that comes up, it's kind of like, well, you may want to have a conversation with your doctor about this particular drug that you're taking that maybe is not working so well for you or, or your body is having some sort of re reactive response to. And you also, we, we talked about a little bit with the immune system and the infections, but you also deal quite a bit with autoimmune mm -hmm. issues. So tell me about that. Um, I just kind of noticed that I was working a lot with clients, like drawing a lot of clients with autoimmune to my practice. And I think partly because, you know, Western medicine doesn't really have a whole lot that it can do for those people. And, and I tend to attract a lot of clients who are like, well, there's got to be something else that, that we can do. Um, and really, again, it's the process is always as unique as the individual, but a lot of times it's a rebalancing of their immune system that needs to happen. Um, you know, maybe working with mobilizing some of the peacekeepers to calm down some of that overactivity in the immune system because obviously autoimmune the body's attacking itself we want the peacekeepers to say hey hold up like not everything is something i need to target i love that um, idea of having peacekeepers in your immune system it's the first I've and we do it. you know yeah, yeah exactly we they actually you know in medicine they you know there's like peacekeeper cells and um remember what the other branch of the immune system is we have like a couple different kinds of peacekeeper cells in our immune system but for many people that have an imbalance those kind of i sometimes describe it as it's like they're asleep on the job they're like, <laughs> <peacekeeping. Yeah. laughs> so they're like whatever you know like, i'm not going to calm anything down over right maybe they're not you know adding to the reactivity but they're not saying hey this is actually this person's body that this person's tissue and cells like we shouldn't be attacking this um, so that's one piece i work a lot too with kind of the emotional aspect of what comes up having a chronic disease like that you know like all of the the belief fears that are associated with being given a diagnosis that you know if you're told it's chronic it's not going to go away and that creates a lot of emotional response for many people so i kind of help unravel that for a lot of clients now speaking to a friend who also has lyme disease yesterday and she was just kind of going through her emotional journey with the disease and she talked about her frustration kind of with the positive thinking psychology mm. that's out there and she said you know mm -hmm. sometimes there's just no positive thoughts to be had and that she would feel the weight of some of her, you know, friends and family trying to be helpful, uh, you know, saying, well, just think positively. Um, and really what she needed to do is just go into a little bit of a dark cloud for a while. And she found once that she kind of got in, uh, in touch with those feelings and, and, and their source that then on the other mm -hmm. end she was out to come out. But whenever she just tried to run away from the the anger and the frustration and the the kind of the separateness, the aloneness that she would experience in having this this chronic serious disease, you know, not being able to socialize like she normally could because she just physically couldn't do it. And and all those mm -hmm. emotions and then, you know, trying to paper over them was actually more of a problem. And once she figured that out and just gave space to these emotions. And I think part of also what you're, what you're saying there is these emotions, especially if you've been sick for a while, these emotions can be hidden and layered and, and deep, uh -huh. but the, the body doesn't lie. Right. It really doesn't. You know, I, I don't remember there is that famous quote that says the body doesn't lie. And, you know, I also, again, just see it as, 
sort of like this storehouse and it's like, well, you don't have the bandwidth to deal with that anger or this, you know, fear. So I'm just going to hold it here until you can get back to me and, and have the space to do it. But for many people, it's like, we don't ever go back to it. It's just, we keep storing more and more and more, um, you know, like this, this big warehouse of all of these old emotions. And so really, you know, the process is helping to clear those out. And I totally understand what your friend is saying because it's, the process to me is not about denying all of those emotions. That's kind of not helpful to say, well, you shouldn't feel afraid or you shouldn't feel angry. Like, yeah, like sometimes people in, in sessions will be on the table and they'll be crying because they actually have to feel what they've not been feeling. Um, and that has to release. Usually it, it happens pretty quickly and they shift, but it's not about denying it. Um, but then it's about kind of moving through it. Like, how can you feel that? And then, you know, what can we do to help you kind of have some forward movement and with new beliefs and letting go of those fears? Now, why would somebody come and do body talk? versus go to a counselor psychologist what's the difference so, i think the big difference is when you're going to a therapist or a counselor you're really working through the conscious mind and we're kind of telling our story from our conscious perspective like you know this thing happened to me and this is how i feel about it which i'm not saying there's no value in that I, i've done different therapies um, over over the years and found it helpful. But when we're only working from that conscious mind, um, sometimes, you know, we're only seeing it through those filters and, and our subconscious has a lot more information that when you come for body talk, like I'm tuning into that, like what is your whole body? What does your subconscious want us to know about this situation? So it really can go a lot deeper because we're not trying to access it through the conscious mind. We're just, you're laying there, you're receiving the work, and I'm tuning in, and your body is giving that information, whatever it is. And to me, that brings a lot uh, faster shift. So there were things that I remember talking about to a therapist probably for years. Sometimes you can feel like you tell the same story over and over and over, and it, it's still your story. And I've had like a session on that particular issue. And it, then it's like, I'll go back and kind of revisit. How do I feel about that in a few weeks? And it's like, that doesn't bother me anymore. It's just gone. Because it's like, we're pulling it out and clearing it instead of like trying to find another conscious way of working with it. That's so fascinating. Definitely find it all fascinating. Yes. <laughs> People are infinitely fascinating. And you've been doing this for a while now. So what, what, what have you learned, the big picture, what have you learned about the body and its connection with the mind that you didn't know before? Um, I think the biggest thing that I found really fascinating last year in the course that I was taking, uh, the founder of Body Talk has been talking about, we call it the three brains. So we all think of the brain in our head, but we have other kind of centers of neurons and and with that kind of brain consciousness so we have one in our heart which is more about our connection to others our relationships and then we have one in our gut which we're starting to hear like even western science is referring to the term gut brain right yep and i really find it fascinating when he was sharing that you know we're make, trying to make the head brain which is actually more like a computer do things that it's not designed to do so we actually shouldn't be making most of our decisions from our head brain. <laughs> but we're trying to make it do all that because, you know, we've come to, like, see the brain as, like, superior, yes. I think, you know, going back to even Descartes and all of that, you know, yeah. that dualism, the mind is superior. But it's actually, we should be making decisions from our gut brain and, and sometimes from the heart brain in terms of relationships. And our poor head brain is, you know, like being thrown into all of these things. And then we're wondering why it doesn't function the way it's supposed to. I know. So we're trying to give it a job that it's like, um, I'm not really designed to do this, but I'll try. 
would you have your computer make your decisions for you? Right. It's a useful tool, but it's not necessarily your friend. Not always, you know, and it's part of a whole system, you know, it's like if all three brains are working well together, then then we function really well. But most of us it's like we have a lot of activity in our head brain and hence we have all the people who are like, my brain runs, you know, all the time. I can't go to sleep because I'm just constantly thinking. Well, we've kind of conditioned it to that. And, you know, if we bring more activity to the heart and to the gut brain, then the head brain doesn't work so darn hard. Right. And doesn't we're not asking it to do jobs that it's not really equipped to do. Right. Because we, right. we, we all have we all have that friend who falls in love once a month and there's one d- disastrous relation after another. And they think they know what they're doing, but they're really not qualified. They, they've right. lost touch you with know, their heart. Right. This is the one, I swear. No, I told you last month. Yeah, exactly. This is the person. Yeah. Lynn, you've been very generous with your time. I really, really appreciate your insights. And really taking us down a path that we don't normally go that I think is really, really valuable uh, to to another tool, as you said, in the tool belt. And Mm -hmm. I'd like to leave you with the last word. So let people know how they can contact you and then anything else that uh, I kind of skipped over and didn't ask the right question. Um, Well, you can find me online. My website is pretty easy to remember. It's body talk Portland. And I have all sorts of wonderful, just free resources on there on my blog. And I have a, a guide to help start thriving after diagnosis. So that's something you can look for and download if it's interesting to you. And I don't really know if there was anything else. Um, I guess the one thing is I, I have a book that's going to be coming out sometime in May. Oh, that's so exciting. Called, yeah, it's called You Are Not Your Diagnosis. And it's my own story of being misdiagnosed with leukemia at age 25 and basically more in depth of the whole story of what I went through and what I learned in the process. And then there's uh, tools that the readers can use for themselves, including actually that body scan is one of the the tools that I teach in the book. Very cool. And when is this? You said May? Yeah, I'm still working on finalizing. I'm I'm self-publishing. I just spoke with the people who are helping me with some of the design layout pieces. So I'm thinking it'll probably be towards the end of May that I'll actually have books in hand. Fabulous. Well, I would love to review it and interview again, interview you again about that book. Yes. I would love, love to chat with you more about that book. (laughs) Perfect. Well, thanks again. Well, thank you for the opportunity to be on the show. This was a wonderful episode. You know, the way she talked about the body talk therapy, it reminded me of the treatments that you do with your acupuncture patients, the 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 clearing treatments. At the beginning? At the beginning, yeah. And why Well can I, mean, I can I say the word possession on radio? <laughs> shh. They might they might think we're one of them. <laughs> Yes, it's a technical term for one of the treatments I do, the possession treatment. Yeah, and the way she talked about how the body ex- the body stores experience, that's how I interpreted what she was talking about. The body stores different experiences. You know, it's funny. In many of the myths uh, about how human beings are formed, they talk about being formed out of clay. And that same myth is in Chinese medicine as well, that human beings are formed out of clay. And if you have that kind of image in the back of your mind, it makes a little bit of sense that if you have trauma or something happening during your life, you may get some imprints in the clay that can't work themselves out with with some help. And it's a funny concept until you see the results of treatments like this. So I hear what you're saying there is things can be buried and it just isn't always psychological burying. Sometimes it can be physical burying, burying too. And you hear stories of people getting massage and all of a sudden bursting into tears because some emotion from 20 years ago is released that way and has been stored up in their shoulder or their shoulder blade or something like that. So absolutely. I hear what you're saying there. 
And if you like what we're doing here at Lime Ninja Radio, leave us a review on iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. And if you really like what we're doing, head on over to our patreon.com website and donate to Lime Ninja Radio. If you donate at the $10 level, we'll send you a copy of our top 10 Lime Ninja transcripts. Yes. The Lime Ninja Top 10 transcripts are concentrated wisdom of three years of podcast episodes featuring experts like Dr. Richard Horowitz, the real food rebel Brenda Constantino, and the genetic nutrition expert Bob Miller. Thanks, Aurora. And if you have feedback from us, please send it to us at feedback at LimeNinjaRadio.com. That's the email, feedback at LimeNinjaRadio.com. Send us the good, the bad, the ugly. doesn't matter. We love to hear from you no matter what you have to say. Also, if you don't know your Lime score yet, do yourself a favor and head on over to LimeNinjaRadio.com front slash tracker and fill out the Lime Ninja symptom tracker. And the real power of the symptom tracker is if you do it regularly once a month so set a reminder in your phone mark it on your calendar do it once a month and then you'll see the progress that you're making over the year and that's really what this is designed to do we think tracking less than a month and you start losing progress and you may not really see what's going on in the changes more than once a month you get too many ups and downs there are too many data points and you kind of get lost in the sea of data but once a month is just about the sweet spot so it's free just head on over fill it out it takes about seven minutes you'll be glad you did also, the Mid-Coast Maine Lime Conference is coming up April 28th. I know. It's four weeks away. I'm getting excited. I know. <laughs> I'm going to be the MC. Please join us. The conference is free. Just get yourself over there. Register. You go to the website, the Mid-Coast Maine Lime Conference website, and search for that on Google, and you'll find how to register. We'll love to see you. Make sure you say hello if you're there. And last, as you longtime Lime Ninjas know, this podcast would not be complete unless we left you with the Lime Ninja fact of the day. Did you know a ninja can cut through a hot knife with butter? Lime Ninja Radio is a purely public broadcast and is not intended to be personalized medical advice for any individual's specific situation. Each individual's medical situation is unique, and Lime Ninja Radio should not be relied upon and or considered as personalized medical advice. Lime Ninja Radio is not licensed to render medical advice and should be considered simply the public opinion of Lime Ninja Radio and its guests. Recommendations on specific treatment options are not intended to address any listener's particular medical situation. As always, contact your physician before considering any new treatment.